0: Good morning. We're going to we're going to go this this uh, morning. We're going to uh, be in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, in the sixth chapter. Matthew chapter six, and now uh, verses. 9 through 13 are our focal point, um, but verses 5 through 8 kind of give us a backdrop. Uh, so I'm going to read verses 9 through 13, and then as we go along, I'll, I'll drop in verses 5 through 8. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, I'll drop in verses 5 through 8, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go along from there. The Scripture reads... from evil. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to pray, for the opportunity to gather in your name, for the opportunity to worship, for the opportunity to open your word uh, and hear your voice. Thank you for this goodness, this kindness, this loving mercy toward us. Father, I pray for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. Uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength, and you're my redeemer. in Jesus name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> With the I'm sure as I, as I was reading, what we'll hear from the English Standard version. Uh, I know we may have some King James folks in here, uh, but when you when you have a text that's uh, so familiar. it's it's easy to kind of sit back and go into a mental or spiritual cruise control while it's being read or even when you're praying it, that it becomes almost rote uh, while you're praying it. Uh, This prayer is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but it's probably better described as the Disciples' Prayer since uh, it's the way that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Um, The Lord's Prayer might be better served in in John chapter seventeen, where you hear the Lord pray but uh it, it may it may very well be one of the most famous prayers in the world. It's been prayed uh in many languages for for thousands of years and and uh it's been spoken as a testimony before and after baptisms in the ancient church and uh it, it's been recited during times of communion and in the gatherings, and used to teach new converts, uh, new believers, what the church actually believes. This prayer—it's been—it's been prayed at funerals. It's been sung at weddings, uh, and in this country, uh, it's, it's shared in ceremonies uh, such as high school graduations. Uh, for for seventy years, it was sung at a the ceremony of a high school graduation for a school in Ohio until a couple of years ago when someone made a complaint about the, the mixing of church and state, even though I don't think that's what that means, mixing of church and state, but that's another sermon for another time. But, uh, and, then the, and the school said they would remove it from the ceremony because the district didn't have enough money to fight it in court. Well, the, the students felt like it was a tradition and, and they didn't agree with it being taken out of the ceremony. So when graduation came uh, and the head of class stood up to make his speech, he raised his arms like this and the, the entire class stood up. And all together they began to recite our father, which art in heaven, King James, hallowed be thy name. And, and so... Uh, it seemed like a victory. When I read the story, when I saw the story, I was like, yeah, the kids, <laughs> kids did it. And then I, then I heard uh, uh, one of the kids that kind of explained, they said, well, we didn't think it was right that they would change our tradition. Uh, they stood up for their tradition. And so the question came to mind, is that why Jesus commanded his disciples to pray like this? Was it for tradition? Here, here in the book of Matthew, Jesus is in the middle of preaching what's been called and what we usually call the Sermon on the Mount. He had uh, called his disciples to himself and they had gone aside and, and up high into a mountain and he began to teach them, teaching them about uh, the, the new way of life that being a part of the kingdom of God calls for. He illustrated this kingdom to them where where things would be reversed and the humble would be blessed, where folks are are called to forgive and love their enemies, where people uh, who were persecuted were to rejoice and, and represent God even under the persecution, a place where God's glory was the main thing this kingdom. Jesus taught that this kingdom uh, would call for a right understanding of God's word, uh, uh, a right attitude toward God's will. And and here in the scripture, he teaches that the kingdom calls for the right kind of prayer, the right kind of prayer. And verses 5 through 8 in this same chapter Jesus points out two kinds of prayer that was taking place in in, in that day and and warns the disciples not to pray like that, saying in verses 5 through 8, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus teaches uh, not to pray like the hypocrites or the heathen he, he, he don't pray like the hypocrites to be seen and heard by people, uh, trading your connection and and the attention of the Almighty God for the admiration of people there There were religious folks in G, in jesus day who liked to show how righteous they were by praying up in all of the gatherings and, and out in public on the corners at, at the prescribed hours of prayer to look righteous. People would be impressed by their praying, but God, not so much. It, it's tempting to think of others when, when you pray in public. When, when, my, when my family and I, when we go out to eat and, and we bow to give thanks for the, the meal, and bless the food. I can't help but think about the people that are watching us pray. I know they're watching us. <laughs> I, I can't help but think, uh, you know, are, are are their thoughts being led toward God as they watch us pray, or are they just thinking, they think they're holier than thou. <laughs> I, I wonder what they, <laughs> what, I shouldn't be thinking about that though, should I? Uh, there, there's nothing wrong with Pu- public prayer uh, is in, in what Jesus is teaching as long as the focus remains on the audience of one. If you're not able to manage that, Jesus says, look, it, it's, it's better to just go into a private place where only God can see and hear you and then pray. He also said, don't pray like the heathen or the Gentiles." Uh, Either people with no connection to or or knowledge of God, Uh, they they pray to false gods with no power or care or knowledge of them. They they just ramble on and on and on, speaking a bunch of words with no thought or meaning. Don't pray like that. He tells the disciples that their Father sees and knows their motives and their needs. He's always ready to release his rewards, make his answer known to those who rightly recognize and relate to him. So don't do what those others do. Don't pray like them. Don't pray like them. After illustrating what the prayers of people whose hearts and souls are not correctly aligned with God look like, He then teaches what prayer flowing from the heart of his disciples should be like. He shares a a brief prayer with six requests that all demonstrate the godly desires of a disciple's heart. The first three requests demonstrate the desire to see God's honor in his name, his kingdom, and his will being done. The next three demonstrate the disciples' dependence on God uh, for our provision, our pardon of sins, our protection from evil. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Using the words like this, pray like this, sets this prayer up as a model for disciples to pray. They don't have to pray only these words, but their hearts should be directed toward what these words are getting at. Then then before any requests in the prayer are made, Jesus makes plain who it is that is being called on in prayer. It's addressed to God the Father. It's a relational prayer Although God was was recognized as father by Israel for for many years because of his acts of creation, his, his ruling nature, his deliverance of his people, he was not addressed in the personal way that Jesus taught here in this scripture, using possessive words like my and your and our father. Jesus invites his disciples as a family to share in his relational claim to the Father, our Father. You know, how you see the one that you're coming to uh, will probably probably determine how you come to them. I mean, walking into the office of the CEO of your company and making a request will, will probably sound much different than walking into the presence of the CEO of your company who also happens to be your father and making a request. Jesus teaches His disciples that they they are to be praying to their Father in Heaven. And and I think that some people may get stuck there, stuck there in that that part of the prayer and that idea because some people didn't have great relationships with their own natural fathers. Uh, Some didn't have such great natural dads. Um, But even if, you've had the most outstanding earthly father that could possibly exist. God is one who's better than the, the best earthly father could ever be. Uh, he, he is creator and ruler of all things and over all things, provider of every good and perfect gift. But He, he is also a father who loves and cares and who stoops down and leans in to listen to his children pray. He's he's omnipresent. His seat, though, is is in heaven, but his heart is still concerned and close to us. Senior senior members of the church where, where I grew up, they used to say that God sits high and he looks low. I like that. With that in mind, the first request is made. Hallowed be your name. All disciples' prayers should desire this. It should be the heart of each disciple's prayer. Hallowed means holy. The prayer is that God's name and God would make his name holy. He he is worthy of honor, and wherever his name is not being honored, the disciple prays, let your name be holy. God's name represents all of who he is, his greatness, his majesty, uh, his reputation. And his name should be holy. There was was such a desire for his name to be holy uh, amongst the Jews that they would not speak his name or write his name for fear of tarnishing it. But these days, you know what people do with God's name. I often wonder why uh, people don't uh, don't use the names I, I want to put it gently that people don't use the names of, of false gods uh, when they stub their toe why is it always Jesus this and God that you know what they say well, well, y'all, you don't say it but the other people they, 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 they use it it frustrates me pray for me will you uh his name, his name. God had told his people Israel in the book of Ezekiel, especially in the, uh, in the 39th chapter and around the 7th verse, that even though they had profaned and dirtied his reputation, his name among the Gentiles, uh, he, he, they, they had messed it up, but he was going to make his name holy. He was going to make his name, his holy name known in his people, and in the world. God was going to do it. If we pray today asking for God's name to be holy, do we have any responsibility in keeping it holy? Is his name holy in you? Is it holy in your house? Is it holy as you move about your neighborhood? Do you keep his name holy are you praying like this? It goes on, it goes on. It says, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next, next request is that his kingdom come. And it's tied in and connected in thought to the third request: that is, will be done. His kingdom coming is the condition where God's will. Uh, rules in the hearts of people and is carried out in their lives throughout the earth. Uh, It's that time and space where, where anything that is contrary to his will is removed. God promises the coming of his kingdom, and he gave a glimpse of it when Jesus came and walked this earth. It won't won't be complete until Jesus returns, but we are to be praying, looking for it, and, and living into it more and more while we wait that it on her on earth as it is in heaven. His will is being perfectly carried out in heaven. No creature in heaven is doing their own thing and ignoring God. Right now, right now, the Bible tells us there are living winged creatures that do nothing but day and night just cry out around the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Disciples should desire and pray for it to be that way on earth. His name, holy I remember sitting in the uh, Fox Chase Cancer Center uh, with my mother, and I was uh, watching the patients come in and out being uh, receiving their treatment, and I was thinking to myself how the whole hospital will be shut down when his kingdom comes. The, the condition of the patients is an earthly one, but in the kingdom, the healing of heaven will be in order. Right now, earth is only a distorted shadow of what God's kingdom looks like in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some, some have said, some, some writers have said that, that that phrase could be placed on each of the first three requests. Your name be holy. Your name be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. Your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, pray then like this. While, while praying this, disciples should also, though, be asking themselves, is God's kingdom coming in me? Better yet, since this prayer is plural, our, our Father, is God's kingdom coming in us? Disciples should be praying like this. If God's kingdom is coming in us, uh, there, there'll be some evidence that, that His will is being done more and more in us, uh, ever increasing. For that and for the next three requests, uh, we, we have to depend on Him. He said, give us this day our, our daily bread. This is our, this is our provision, our physical needs being met by Him. Even though God knows the need Jesus teaches disciples to bring this request to him anyhow. In the time of the scripture, when there was no refrigerator in each home, a daily supply of bread was a necessary blessing. Uh, Even though the farmers would work for the grain and preparing the ground and planting the seed and reaping the harvest and baking the bread, they acknowledged that without God, there would be no bread. They They were to be, depending on God for provision a day at a time, just like they had done when they were uh, drawn and called out of Egypt in slavery, when God gave them in the wilderness daily bread uh, uh, called manna from heaven and and water from a rock day by day. And the only prayer that you you will find in Proverbs in the 30th chapter in the 8th verse the writer asked to be fed with only what is needful, being afraid that if he gets full or oversatisfied, he would forget about God. This day, the bread represents not only food, but all of our physical needs being met by God. Not only will the disciples show their trust in God when they pray like this, God's name will be holy as he provides for all that's needed in in the right portion and at the right time. Even today, with with some having refrigerators and freezers full of food, uh, with with work and uh, some forms of regular income coming in, we still need to pray like this. It it leads us to recognize our Father as the source of all of our resources. And and it, it makes us not take for granted that we have or will always have anything. The next request asks for pardon and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Like we find in the prayer as is given in Luke chapter 11 and verse 4, the debts here, are rep- they, they represent sin. Uh, wrongdoing that leaves a sinner owing God And owing others that they've done wrong against. So, in addition, Jesus teaches uh, to our provision, we ask for our pardon. The disciples would would have a relationship with God because of the forgiveness purchased by Jesus' death on the cross. Our sin is forgiven when we trust and receive Jesus as Savior, but we still should be confessing and repenting and turning from the sins that show up as we live day from day down here on this dusty globe. We don't don't lose our relationship with Him, but we suffer disruptions in our fellowship with the Father because of sin. As we come to God for forgiveness for our own daily shortcomings and wrongdoings, We are reminded in this scripture that we also need to be constantly forgiving others. Do we want the same relief for others as we do for ourselves? We can't be holding somebody prisoner of our unforgiveness and think we're honoring God with our prayers and lives. Uh, when When we pray, we should offer a pardon to others and ask for a pardon for ourselves from God. Forgive our debts, Father, and let our forgiveness of others be a reflection of you. Pray like this. But not only do we need to pray for pardon, we also need his protection. The last request asks, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a request for protection. On the surface, It may seem to accuse God of tempting people to sin uh, by leading them that way, but that's not what the prayer is saying. Uh, In fact, the book of James tells us in in the first chapter, in the 13th verse, that to let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. In the original language, this word temptation also has the sense of testing or trying, in this way it it, it proves uh, temptation proves out the faith of the disciple, uh, and, and when we face temptation with God's help, we're able to endure it. The Bible teaches that that we face no temptation that's not common to all mankind, but that God is faithful. And he will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that we may be able to endure it, bear up under it. This this prayer is asking God to not let us be overwhelmed by temptation to the point that we would be caught up in any sin. This is a petition that, that pleads do not don't allow us uh, to come to a place where we would fail to hollow your name uh, uh, where we would mess up your reputation. It leads back to the first request that his name be holy. It asks him for protection from the evil that all disciples are sure to face in the world but and it acknowledges that. We're never beyond a stumble into sin by temptation or being lured by evil, but also that God is able to lead us away from it. Just as David sang in the 23rd Psalm in the third verse, that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even when those paths lead us into and through the deepest, darkest valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, If we're with God, we don't have to fear any evil. He's able to deliver us from all the types of evil and from the evil one himself. In fact, the Bible teaches that he's able to prevent us from falling or stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So we should pray like this. After considering all uh, that this prayer asked of the Father, the church would often close the prayer with a praise that glorified God as the only one capable of bringing it to pass. They'd say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Why why should disciples pray like this? The first and easiest answer is Jesus says so. But praying like this unites us in putting God's honor and glory before our own. Praying like this guards the church from gathering to seek consumer comfort instead of God's will and purpose. Praying like this reminds us that we've been set free from debt, the debt of sin, and leads us to set others free. Praying like this reminds us to live and look for God's kingdom to show up daily and finally, making things right. Disciples, pray like this. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this prayer, this model that you've given us all to glorify you. Be glorified in our hearing of your word. Be glorified in our doing of your word. Be glorified in the change and alignment of our heart to your will and your purpose and your glory. We thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for these people. And we thank you for your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.